Growth is the only way to unlock your true greatness, not only to yourself, but to the world. I'm your host, Candace Lamb, and I'm here to encourage you to explore the possibilities of your best life, what it looks like, and what it takes to get there. I've gathered successful leaders all around the globe to ask the questions we all want to know about business, wealth, health, and relationships. So settle in. You're listening to the Growth and Greatness Podcast. Hello, hello, good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Growth and Greatness Podcast. I am your host, Candace Lamb, and I am so excited to be coming to you again this week with another amazing episode. So our topic of discussion tonight is, are you sabotaging your personal growth or your growth? And so we've got a great show lined up for you tonight. Only thing I ask before we get started is if you share this with your friends. If there's somebody that you love that you want to go to the next level with, don't just keep this to yourself. Share this with a friend. Share this to your page. If you haven't yet, please like and subscribe to this podcast everywhere that podcasts are made available. Here we go. My very, very special guest tonight is not only a professional in the mental health space, but she is also a friend. You guys, we have these conversations. Every time we can get a chance, we can talk for hours and hours and hours. So tonight, it's just gonna be a snippet of what we do, probably (laughs) three, four hours at a clip. So this is gonna be an exciting time. My very special guest, Tiffany Witter, is with me tonight. And just a little bit about her before we get started. Tiffany holds a Bachelor's of Science in Psychology. She's currently pursuing her Master's in Human Services Counseling, with a specialization in crisis response and trauma. And in addition to that, she's also an educational therapist in the Bermuda school systems. So she's got a wealth of experience. She's got a wealth of knowledge when it comes to counseling and really that mental health space. And so when we started talking, we often talk about these things, but more recently we were talking about self-sabotage as that pertains to our own growth journey. And so I thought this was too good to leave between us and that we just had to bring it to the podcast. So please, everybody, help me welcome my guest, Tiffany Witter. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> good evening, Tiff. Gosh, I'm so excited to hop into this conversation. Before we do, I do want to just set a little bit of a framework for the discussion that we're talking about. And I know that I sent this to you ahead of time. But Mm -hmm. for those of you who are listening and you know the direction that we're talking about tonight, we're talking about self-sabotage. And there is a psychological definition that we're going to be working with tonight so that we can make sure that we're talking about the same thing. So self-sabotage occurs when we destroy ourselves physically, mentally, or emotionally or deliberately hinder our own success and well-being by undermining personal goals and values. And I think this is a super important conversation to have because I don't know that we talk about it enough. I find too often we attribute the reason why we're not able to rise to the next level. We attribute that to other people and external reasons. And we don't always explore the things that are going on inside of us that keep us from being able to rise to the next level. 
So tonight we are inviting you into this conversation. I just want to go on record to say that this is not the equivalent of talking to a therapist. This is not the equivalent of going to a licensed professional, but we are simply just sharing our journey and how Mm -hmm. we have been challenged along the way to grow. And I hope that this information is helpful to you. And we also want to hear from you. So please feel free to chime into the conversation in the chats. We have got an amazing moderator and she will be capturing those comments and we can kind of keep the dialogue going. So Tiff, why don't we start with our initial question? Why don't you talk to us tonight about what self-sabotage has looked like in your life? Well, you know, self-sabotage for different people means different things. Right. Well, for me, I actually wrote notes down as I was preparing. So self-sabotage, as I look at my own life, is doubt and negative internal dialogue that Mm. turns into lack of action. Mm -hmm. So it's the things that we tell ourselves that we're not capable, we're not good enough, or if I do it, will I fail? Then we start to talk ourselves out of our greatness. Right. Because if we're all honest with ourselves, there are things that we have that we know we're good at. But we start to have these conversations that lead to, am I going to fail? Like I said, am I good enough? Will I be successful? And a lot of that has to do, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, social media. Right. So we start comparing ourselves to other people. So Mm -hmm. it's like, let's just say you want to start a business and whatever that business is, you then start to look around and say, well, you know, those people are getting a thousand likes. I'm only getting 300 likes. Or you start to have this internal dialogue that steers you away from really your purpose and whatever it is that you're good at. And so for me, I know in my, just in life's experience, I had to get rid of that negative internal dialogue that I was consistently Mm -hmm. playing this negative reel in my mind that was telling me I wasn't good enough or was telling me that if you do it, you will fail. Mm -hmm. And if I was honest with myself, it really wasn't people. It was me. Mm. (laughs) Fear of failure is a big thing. I don't know about anybody else, but we do not want to fail because now if I fail, I have to deal with the naysayers that were already there that didn't believe in me. And now I'm feeding into, (laughs) right? I'm feeding into, they were already saying that I was going to, so if I fail, then I start to, it's almost as if I'm kind of speaking it into existence. Like I'm just not good enough. And so it's that internal dialogue that I've experienced that, you know, it just came to a point I had to slow down my mind and also get around people that were talking the language of where I wanted to go. Yeah. So where do you think that that negative internal dialogue came from in the first place? Because we didn't always grow up with social media. Like we came, we're the (laughs) the generation that was, you know what I mean? We had a little bit of the other, had a little little bit of this. (laughs) But so like, where do you think that that negative internal dialogue came from? I think a lot of it has to do with experiences along the way that we've had. Mm-hmm. A lot of time we go through life and we've had negative experiences with people. We've had, we've been in negative situations, right? Rather it be someone who was abused verbally, psychologically, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. I think along the way, as we start to grow in life, we have these experiences that have solidified somewhat already a dented self-esteem, mm-hmm. right? Because we often, you know, we go through things that do can diminish your self-esteem. And so for me, I think it's a life 
journey, situations that happen that kind of firm up in our minds that we aren't good enough. Mm -hmm. Someone may have told us that we were not good enough mm -hmm. or we got around environments that kind of continue to um, tell us that we weren't good enough mm -hmm. or we try to do things, but people are not clapping us on. People are not saying congratulations. Yep. People are not saying well done. And so I think it has to do with just a lifelong journey that we go through. And then that compounds. And then we get in a space where we start to believe what we've been through. Yeah. You know, I was thinking back about my own experience with this. And I think it's so interesting to note that I think my negative self-talk really came from my conditioning, my family, where I came from, what I was around. And at the same time, I had this little tiny seedling of an idea that I could be better than where I came from, that I felt like I could excel beyond what I had seen. And I don't exactly know where that came from. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know the moment in time, I can only, you know, say that I feel like God put that inside of me, that mm -hmm. glimmer of hope that I could be more, but I didn't right. realize that I was so conditioned. You know what I mean? So it's like, you have these two things that are growing at the same time. And my conditioning for so long kind of held the growth of that seed of possibility. Like, you know what I mean? It kind of choked it down a little bit. And so it's like, both of them are fighting for their place. If that resonates with anybody, definitely put it in the chat. You know, that self-sabotaging thing. Initially, when I started thinking about the title of this, I was thinking that self-sabotage was kind of like this overt thing, but it really is subtle. This yeah. thing that just keeps you from going into the next place in yeah. your life. I was talking to my husband last week and I was sharing with him this story. And if you guys can relate to this, definitely let us know. But when I was in college, it was so weird. I had a season in my life where I had the most terrible stage fright. Like it was crazy how scared I was. And I was so scared that it affected me physically. Like I could not sing above a whisper. <laughs> which is crazy because anybody that knows me now, they'd be like, girl, that girl got a loud mouth. But I physically could not project my voice above a whisper. Mm -hmm. And it really made me think about something that I, I've been reading here lately. But like, so let me finish the story. A whole semester of this singing course that I went to. And, and logically, I knew like, I want to break out of this. I want mm -hmm. to get better. I want to shed myself of this fear. And I mm -hmm. tell you, over the course of that semester, every single time I had a singing exam where I had to mm -hmm. sing, you know, for my grade, I got sick <laughs> and could not sing. I had no voice to be able to sing. And, you know, we could chalk it up to coincidence, but there's no way. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I'm not a sickly person, mm -hmm. but my body is so convinced that this is a fearful thing that me getting out there and using my voice and doing this, like I was so afraid that my physical composition, like illness would come on me. Somebody, please do not leave me alone here. Have you ever experienced that where you Logically, it makes sense. I'm ready to take my life to the next level, but your yeah. body will hold you back because of something you have, something going on inside that will not let you progress. And so the question is like, are we taking stock of what's going on inside? And things that we, you know, past the sea, generational things, 
we don't really focus a lot on it, right? Yeah. And so what you're saying is so true because sometimes you get in a space where you're like, I just don't understand where this negative <laughs> reaction is coming from. But seeds sometimes that are planted by parents, relatives, it, it may not even be words. Sometimes it's actions yep. that they show us of how to deal with our emotions when we get in this space where we feel like we're in prison really to our emotions. Because yep. that's what it really is. We have this, I call it a prison. It's an emotional prison where now, like you're saying, I know I can sing, but for some reason my body will not catch up with the talent. <laughs> I'm telling you, I could listen, I could do a whole concert in the shower, but you put me, you put a microphone in my hand, that thing was closing up. <laughs> It was no good. And like what you said, you know, there have been seeds. There's been, you know, we've all dealt with words that have been said to us along the way. And I realized that, you know, especially when we're in those formative years, sometimes words have been said to us or about us and they did not make us feel good. But mm -hmm. just because it didn't make us feel good doesn't mean we didn't start believing them. Absolutely. Because like, it's crazy. Young, right? And so sometimes these negative words that are spoken over us are spoken over us by people who we hold in high regard, are people who we trust, right? Who are people that when they tell us what they're telling us, we don't necessarily internalize it as negative. We think, well, you know what? This is mama, this is daddy, this is auntie, this is whoever. So anything that they're telling us obviously is for my good, but that's not necessarily the case. And so it's, it's almost like unlearning of things that we have to go through, right? Mm -hmm. We have to unlearn some. It's okay for us. I just want to say, because sometimes we get touchy about the subject, about generational things, right? Because sure. we don't want to dishonor the past. But I think it's a good and healthy conversation, right? right. Because self-sabotage can go down through the line, right? For sure. I think it's mm -hmm. a saying that how many dreams are dead in the graveyard? How many dreams did our grandparents have on the inside of us? Did our great grandparents have on the inside of us, right? But they just didn't take that leap because there was something somebody may have said to them or done to them that kind of convinced them that they were not good enough. And so it really is us taking stock of what is this thing? Is it generational yeah. or is this just my perception of, because sometimes people can say things to us and we perceive it to be that they're trying to be negative. Yep. Right. And so is it that what I've heard, it's that I've perceived it to be negative or were these words that were spoken into my life really coming from someone who themselves didn't understand the power of their word? So we have to be very careful when we're speaking into our children. It's very important for us to be using even when we're correcting our children. It's very important for us to be using positive language because tearing down, we don't know what seeds we're planting that can cause them to come into adulthood with this mindset of, I'm not good enough. Everything that I do is wrong. We have to be very careful. I love the 80-20 rule past the seed where it's like, I try my best with my children to 80% of the time, right? Because I'm not perfect, right? But I try to always, when I'm speaking to them, make sure that it's, my words, I want to make sure I'm sowing a seed of positivity. So even in correction, how mm -hmm. am I guiding them? Right. Instead, you know, it's sometimes our children frustrated and you're like, get away from me. sit, you know, sit on, be quiet. You get on my nerves. You're stupid. You're but we have to be careful mm -hmm. about words that we're speaking into children because now children grow into adults that have this pattern of consistent self-sabotage.
Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about while you were speaking was the level of ownership that we have got to take in our lives as adults. I think sometimes if we have encountered those kinds of situations as children, where we have Mm -hmm. been, where we have heard words that have hurt us or harmed us in our formative years, we Mm -hmm. try to move on from those things and just build from those things. It's not always realistic to think that we can build on that kind of foundation. You know, if you think about life as a garden, if you think about your life as a garden and your mind as a garden, and you think about if you purchased a plot of land from somebody and you don't know what they've been sowing for the last 35 years that they've been in possession of that land, you're not just going to start building a house on top of it. No, you're going to go in, you're going to till that ground, you're going to clear it out so that you can build on top of it the kind of home that you want to have. But I don't think that we always look at our life in that way. And we are attempting to build on top of things that really mm-hmm. should not be built on. They're really not yeah. strong enough to with to bear up under the pressure of life as an adult, right? Because they are fractured, they are splintered, they're fragmented. And so we've got to take time to deal with what's going on on the inside of us. And we can't just power through to the next level. Absolutely. And I think that's important because here's the thing, when we get to our greatness, we want to make sure that we're in top form, right? We Mm want to make sure that we're performing at optimum. And we're not talking about perfection, but we want to, I like what you said about dealing with these things because we can get to a place where we are at our greatness, but still there's ill mindsets. Our hooks on and are and are those concrete blocks that are around our ankles holding us down from really experiencing that greatness spot, right? And we also have to be mindful about the people that we have around us. When we look at self-sabotage, we always think of self, right? Which because that's what we're sure. talking about, self-sabotage. <laughs> but we also have to be mindful of those people that we have around us, right? That are speaking not in those Sometimes it's not malicious. Sometimes it's their reality, but we just have to make sure that we're around people that are speaking positivity so that we are not consistently around negative people that are speaking negative thoughts. You know, we tell our children the music that they listen to or whatever that you're listening to, it's it's coming into, it's you're hearing it and it's coming into your mind. And so we want to make sure that we're talking about and we're around people, we're all kind of speaking the same language. Mm -hmm, It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that we're always agreeing, but I need to be able to be around people that are like, listen, this is where we're heading. This is where we're going. And we're all speaking that same language. And if you hear me saying something that's negative about myself, I know that you're like, hey, wait a minute. I need you to snap out of it, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of allowing me to live in it. And now you're like, yeah, girl, I understand. Yeah, girl. (laughs) And don't forget about this. Right. Don't 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 co-sign on it. There's a chat that came in that said, this is from Darlene. She said, I had an issue with being in a leadership position. I had no problem doing the work. Just don't give me the title. I had to mm-hmm. overcome that and realize that I had it within me to not only do the work, but also wear the title. It was wow. the fear of messing up. I have to say, Darlene, I have been there, sis. <laughs> I have been there because you know, in my opinion, some of the people that I have observed, I'm like, you know, you're the way that you are handling leadership, the way that you're handling power. I'm not entirely sure that that is healthy. And so for me, the way that I chose to correct that was I wanted to disassociate from the title itself. So I'm like, well, I can do, I can do it, 
but I don't want to be categorized in the same category as these other leaders, right? But sometimes that's just a really good indicator that you're not in the right circle, right? Mm -hmm. Because everybody that carries a leadership title is not doing it wrong. So Mm -hmm. the titling of leadership is not the issue. It's how the people are handling the title of leadership. And so we have to ask ourselves, okay, God, am I in the right place? What do you want me to do? You like, should I be moving? Or sometimes the Lord allows us to be in the company of people that misuse leadership as a lesson of what not to do so that we can move forward and do something different with what the Lord is giving us to do. But I can totally, totally relate to that. Being a leader is not easy. It's not easy. (laughs) It's not easy. You know, one of the things that Dr. Williams said when he was talking about having people around you, he was like, there are some relationships that feed your fear. Mm -hmm. And I can say that, you know what I mean? In my journey of leadership, I'm like, I already have. (laughs) I'm already questioning myself about what's going on here. (laughs) I don't need your further negativity because I'm the first person to be like, did you? Did you do this right? Is this right? Me? We're here to do this. We can't be afraid. And we were talking about that before we got on. We can't be afraid of being great, right? And I think a lot of times we don't want to, I was sharing this with Pastor C's, we don't want to stand out because we somehow have created a culture of always associating someone uh, stepping into their greatness with them being puffed up and boastful, mm-hmm. right? And so then people become or come to this place where they're like, I just don't want to stand out. (laughs) But is it, so let me just ask this question so that I could be devil's advocate. Like, do we really think that people are being puffed up or is that just a sign of being great? I mean, like what is greatness? What does it really look like, right? Like for some people, when you elevate and you step into a place, you know what I mean, where you're doing better, yeah, your wardrobe might change. Yeah, the way you carry yourself might change because you're trying to elevate. What is this concept? Somebody in the chat, help me. What is this concept (laughs) of somebody being puffed up and whatever? Like, how does that differ from just growing? And I find sometimes, Pastor C, it's almost like it can be, then it's someone else. No, but when it's us, no, Come I'm on. humble. Come I'm on. humble and I'm great. Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Now we're talking. I'm not puffed up. I'm just growing. But the but other person? Else and we feel like they're kind of going above a level that we are. Now, all of a sudden, they're puffed up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so now people start to feel kind of uncomfortable and ashamed yeah. of being great. Because now I celebrated you when you were where you were. But now somehow I've elevated to a level, not by my own, because we believe through everything it's going, right? But now I've elevated to a level and now you can't celebrate me. And so we have to be careful about those people that are comfortable with us clapping them on, but all of a sudden their hands are tied behind their back when it's time to clap you on. They're a hostage. They have handcuffs on their hands. Can't get free to give a clap. Let's talk about this. Like, What does greatness look like to me? what level of greatness am I comfortable with? Because Mm -hmm. I don't think that it's just external people who have a problem with being great. And Mm -hmm. so perhaps the Bible says it like this, the same measure in which you judge is the same measure of judgment that comes to you. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, listen, I've been guilty of this, but there's sometimes that I cannot elevate to this next level because I have 
judged that level in a previous life or in a previous season. And also not understood what that person had to go through to get to greatness, right? And so now we're telling somebody, you know, who do you think you are? And it's all of these things. And if you're not strong-minded, when you're in that spot, that can start to shrink you. Because now you start thinking to yourself, well, maybe I am too flashy. Well, maybe I am too, you know, it's even sometimes our happiness disturbs people, right? Listen, and sometimes so- your our happiness disturbs us. But yes, yeah, sometimes it ha- disturbs other people too. You're right. You're right about that. Right? And so now we're listening to these people. We've gotten to a level where we're comfortable and we're thankful and we're like, Lord, thank you. I've prayed for this. But now people are coming along and saying, no, don't get too big. Make sure that you make sure you stay grounded. And you're like, well, wait a minute. What about me in this space? Is, is making you want to say these, like, what is it about my greatness that all of a sudden now I have to shrink? See, here's the thing. The Lord doesn't bless you and then want you to hide in a corner. Let, because I just, the testimony. I'm confused at the piece that I have never heard not one person and not one human being on this planet talk about a level of greatness that they're comfortable with. Like, ah, that's a, that, you know what I mean? Like, that's it. Well, that's okay. the spot you're a-okay. You're in the sweet spot there. No, like we always talk about, I'm not going to say always. I have been exposed to voices that frequently say that there is a danger in growth. There's a danger in Carmelita. She said something in the chat. She said, we can't help the talents and the gifts that God has placed on the inside of us. He didn't make us to sit on them. That's absolutely right. And I don't know who's watching tonight, but I can tell you that there are some times and there are some seasons in life where it don't matter how much you want to sit on it. The Lord will push you out of that boat. He will push you out of your comfort zone because it is, he, it's not meant for you to sit on it. The Lord has need of you. He has need of the thing that he put on the inside of you. And we cannot relegate whether or not we're going to grow based on our comfort or somebody else's. Yes. We have to understand when a woman is pregnant, and we use this analogy, but it's so great to use the analogy. When a woman is pregnant for nine months, she can't all of a sudden feel contractions and say, nope, this ain't it. Not Not today. Tomorrow, perhaps. (laughs) I agree with you, Pastor Steve. When the Lord places something in your life, there comes a time where there is an incubation stage. There is a stage where you need to keep it covered. There is a stage where you're not going to tell everyone you're going to kind of work um, in private, you're going to, you make sure that you're praying about it, but there comes a time when you're going to have to release it and reveal it. Right. And so I agree with you. We often hold on to things, not knowing that it could blast the next person and set that next person free. You right. Because say here's it. Thing, why does he give us gifts? If we're just going to say, well, you know, I have a gift. I have a gift to sing. I I have a gift to preach. I have a gift to cook. I have whatever your gift is, it's given to you so that it can bless and help somebody else. Right. And so you cannot allow people to talk us out of our greatness. Right. Because listen, we have our our own internal dialogue could kick us around. (laughs) You better say that. Now need to add extra voices. I'm already trying to work on my internal dialogue. I can't take on everybody else's negativity. Now, at the end of the day, there is space in great in, a, in your greatness for constructive criticism. Because I believe that you need to have people around you that are able to direct you when you may not always get it right. 
That's different from people who are consistently trying to be negative and talk you out of operating in your greatness. You got it. And what's so interesting is that for multiple episodes, that concept keeps coming up. There is a difference between constructive criticism and damaging critique, right? And we have got to know the difference. We've got to know the difference from it coming externally, but we've also got to know the difference of what's going on on the inside. Before our issues are external, we've got to take stock of what's going on on the inside of us. Like, even if we got everything sorted externally, that doesn't change what's going on on the inside. Yes, yes. Like, I can't, listen, you guys, I cannot tell you how, so, okay, crazy enough, I started reading this book recently, and the title of this book is called The Mountain Is You, Mm -hmm. which, you know, that's... (laughs) The whole title is just telling already, okay? And so the author of this book, and I'll pull it up so that I can share the author's name with you guys before we're done. But she started off the book by saying this, there's nothing holding you back more than you. I said, dang it. (laughs) Not the first line of the book. (laughs) Hang on. (laughs) There's nothing holding me back more than me. And so I know that, you know, I know we don't get too, I know we don't normally get too preachy on this podcast because that's not really what this is. But I'm going to tell you this about that. Like there is the greatness that's on the inside of me really can only be activated by my belief in it. My ability to believe in the seed that's been planted in me. And other people can try to do, they can try to detract and distract and all of those things. But if I am not tending to the soil on the inside, then like that thing is just as good as dead before any of that external stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And so if I am going to salvage it, I've got to first deal with what's in my immediate control. Mm-hmm. And it is a lie. It is a trick. It is a scheme and it's a distraction for us to think that we can control everything externally and somehow get to where we're trying to get without taking responsibility for the soil that we have charge of. Like she says this in the book, she says, does your mindset serve your growth? I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's about what I was No, it does not. (laughs) I'm not trying to say that I'm the worst person, but I can look at my thought life and say, you know what? I probably fight myself more than I praise. You know what I mean? Like I probably critique myself more than I believe in myself. I probably am harsher on myself than anybody could ever be. Absolutely. In in everything. Sometimes we don't need other people kicking us. You're right. Tati said, sometimes we get in our own way. I said, sometimes. That's all of that. (laughs) And I think you brought up, we were talking about this as well, Pastor C, and I I don't know if you were going to bring it up later, but it's that comfort level too. You and I were talking about it. We are more addicted to comfort than we are to our greatness. Somebody put that in the chat and then somebody put that in the journal. (laughs) (laughs) Because you got to sit with that and you got to you gotta really see how addicted you are to your comfort. If we look at 
whatever situation we're in, whether it's relational, whether it's personal, our comfort really, our addiction to our comfort is what's sabotaging us from our destination to greatness. You better say it. Tiff, can I share what we were talking about on Sunday? Like the whole, okay, so listen. (laughs) We're going to be a little transparent with you guys tonight, okay? So I was sharing with Tiff, for the last month, Jonathan and I have been, we have cut out meat and all dairy out of our diet, right? And so as you can tell from my current physique, I (laughs) like meat and dairy. I don't like anything to be cut out of my diet, if you couldn't tell. Anywho, I digress. So for a month now, no meat and no cheese. And so I'm like, I, yeah, it's been tough, right? And so I realized that one of the things that I has changed about me, though I haven't been like fighting, kicking and screaming about this diet is that I have become indifferent when it comes to mealtime. Whereas before, you know, we congregated around food. You know, it was a connection place. Like, we gonna talk about it. We gonna romanticize it. We be like, ooh, let me me hit Tiff up. Hey, you been over this place? You you got that? Did you get the sauce with it though? Did you get the cheese with it though? Like, we gonna talk about it. (laughs) So we are gonna talk about some food, honey, and we are going to enjoy it when we are together. Absolutely. So when we cut this, when we cut this, you know, when I cut this food out, I really... In order for me to stick to it, I found myself becoming indifferent when it came to food. So I'm like, yeah, I got to eat, but I don't really care about it. (laughs) What y'all about to eat? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not enjoying this process, so I don't care about it. And so the Lord began to open my eyes about how I'm handling this. And he used it as an example to show me how I handle other things. And so he was like, Candace, the trouble is... You don't want to be healthy. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Cause here I was saying, I don't want to eat salad all the time. <laughs> I like cheeseburgers and pizza. And he said, you don't want to be healthy. Right. And so I heard what the Lord was saying, but I'm also hearing what he's saying. Like you don't want to be healthy and yes. healthy is beyond the diet. Like you don't want to do what it takes to get yourself right. Yes. And so I'm like, okay, God, I hear what you're saying. And so here he goes. This is, this is what kicks it off. He was like, you want what you want and you don't want a substitute. Mm. True. No lies here. <laughs> I want what I want. And when I can't get what I want, I shift over into indifference. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I realized that's one of the ways that like it robs me of opportunities to grow because I shift over into this place and I'm not engaged the way that I need to engage. Absolutely. So Tiff, why don't you chime in on like what your journey has been and and maybe like somebody can relate to what we're talking about. Like, where do you go when you can't get your way, when you can't do what you want to do? Like, what is your first response? And maybe we have to explore that Hmm. and see how it shows up in other areas. I know for me, indifference is one, but for me, it's excuses. Mm. I start to come up with every single excuse as to why I just can't do it. And I shared briefly my story when it came to finishing my psychology degree, right? So, you know, my journey in finishing my degree started in 2005 when I got married. My plan was to get married, finish my degree, then have some children and yada, yada, yada. But as we all know, God listens to our plans and then he chuckles. (laughs) 
And so I end up having children, you know, life happened. And so for the longest time that I was, you know, I'm in my career, but I'm kind of feeling some way because I feel like everyone's getting ahead of me. And, you know, you see your peers start to, they're starting to excel. And, but I kept on saying, you know, I just can't, it's money, it's this, it's that. And then 2020 came and the pandemic happened. And so the Lord said, I need you to finish your degree. You have time. You're in a position now where you can finish this thing financially. So all of this time I was making excuses about time that I didn't have. And now I was put in, because here's the thing that I have this love-hate relationship before the Lord uses some things. Because sometimes he takes the excuses away. Sometimes. <laughs> and then he puts the mirror back in front of you and says, now what are you going to do? You better say that. And so the pandemic hit and all I had was time. All we had. We didn't have <laughs> nothing else to do <laughs> but sit at home, right? Somebody so say now, quarantine. <laughs> and so now I was forced not to look at everybody else. And I was forced to stop snuggling up to the comfort of my excuses. Come on. And now I had to look at myself and say, what it is, what is this about you that you continue, no matter what position the Lord puts you in, you are continuing to make excuses as to why you cannot step into your greatness. But yet I'm sitting on the sidelines of my own life. Mm hmm complaining and feeling some way because I'm looking and I'm seeing everybody else progressing. Mm -hmm. And so the Lord challenged me and said, you need to do what it is that you need to do in order to finish your degree. And so in that, in 2020, I did what I had to do. I buckled down and you know, I won't lie. I didn't do it willingly, but it's the challenge that he put in front of me because now what was I going to say? And so for me, it's excuses. It's always like, well, you know, I want to lose weight, but I'm very busy. Well, I want to do this, but I don't have the time. And so excuses can become part of our self-sabotage and dialogue because we're consistently, excuses is just roadblocks to our greatness. You better say it. And the sad thing is a lot of times the excuses that we use, like it would be one thing if everybody that had the same circumstances that we had didn't achieve what we wanted. <laughs> but we got way too many people in the world who have excelled in these areas with the same roadblocks that we had and some. And some. And so we've got to be a little bit more grown up and broaden our scope and say, okay, some of these things that I'm saying, like, they're really not worthy of being excuses to keep me from where I'm going. Like, this is what I'm saying, but it's not big enough to keep me from where I'm trying to go. And the excuses, the base of it, as we're talking about, is comfort, right? Because now I don't want to push, I don't want to have this what I'm considering to be a hard road. Because if some of us are honest, challenges, challenges for us, we're, we're allergic to it. We're like, Lord, I just want to have life. Or we just say to ourselves, I just want life to be easy, which isn't a bad thing because I'm not, we shouldn't be going into life, you know, like woe is me and I want this, this road to be rough. But we have to understand that in order to get to success and greatness, there's going to take hard work. It's going to take some sacrifice. If I want to lose weight, if I, if I want to lose these 20 pounds, I'm going to have to put on cheese and fried food. That's what they say. <laughs> Now, if somebody 
Ruby has another way we can do it, please, by all means, share that in the chat. <laughs> if there is another way for me to share this If there is another way, Lord, take this cup from me. <laughs> Nevertheless, not my will. <laughs> but until that, we have to be comfortable more with going through the process. You better say and it. embracing the process for what it is. Because on the other side of all of what we're telling ourselves, we can't do it. We don't have time. I'm not good enough. My mama, my daddy, my... it's all of these things that we're saying. But it's like, okay, here's what we have to get to a place to understand that some things that we're saying may be true and it may be factual, but it doesn't have to be our reality. That is true. That is true. And I love what you said about the process because the fact of the matter is nothing that is worth having comes from easy things. Like mm -hmm. nothing. Absolutely. N nothing. I don't know why we fight to identify a back door to get to what we want out of life when really nothing that is desirable costs nothing come on it's gonna be a sacrifice it's like period <laughs> that is what it is right and the sooner that we reconcile that the faster mm -hmm. we can get on with it but mm -hmm. we will utilize more of our resources trying to find a shortcut than if we were to just buckle down deal with Absolutely. it and move on and sometimes we're afraid of change because in our place of comfort, we don't have to change, right? In our place, that's why it's comfortable. <laughs> when we hit that sweet spot on our pillow, we don't want to move. When we get into bed and hit that sweet spot, we're like, we don't want to move. Why? Because it's comfortable. But in order for us to move to a different place, excuse me, a place of greatness, we have to move from that sweet spot, which we call comfort, which may require us to shift some pieces around. It may also require us to change our whole friend group. Sure. And you know, the crazy thing is some of the things that we consider to be comfortable don't feel good. You mm -hmm. ever been comfortable with something that didn't feel good? Like you're comfortable in bad relationships. You're comfortable living beneath beneath what you, you know what I mean? Really what you're worth. Like you have settled yeah. in some areas of your life. It doesn't Absolutely. feel good to be in that space, but somehow mm -hmm. you have found comfort in that space. Because we talk ourselves out. So it's almost as if we punish ourselves and say, I deserve this. So if we're in a bad relationship, I don't think I could get any, you know, it's, it's not much out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> really no one left. <laughs> and so we, we start to really punish ourselves. You are right. You are right. And I think a lot of that has to do with our level of exposure, our level of education. And I don't mean formal education, but mm -hmm. I mean like, who are you around and who are you exposing yourself to that lives at a different level than you? Come on. Because it's one thing to have a desire on the inside to elevate from where you are. But if you do not have a point of reference, your journey is mm -hmm. going to be a hundred times harder. Absolutely. But if you begin to fill, fill your eyes and your ears with the stories and the images of people that are living at the level that you want to live at, 
somehow it seems to bridge the gap. Like you become educated and you realize that it's maybe not as far away as you think it is when you don't have a point of reference. Absolutely. We can't look around and I can't look at you past the scene and say, well, we look the same. So therefore our journey is going to be the same, right? And sometimes we look around our surroundings and we almost settle for this spot of, like you're saying, indifference, for this spot of excuses. I explained to Pastor C before we started, as I was preparing, the Lord dropped the analogy of a penguin and an eagle. Now both have wings, but the eagle's capability to soar high is not the same as a penguin. Mm -hmm. So even though the penguin has wings, if let's just say, for instance, the eagle was able to lift the penguin up, eventually the penguin's either going to drop or pull the eagle down. So we have to ask ourselves, are we sabotaging our eagle status by continuing to be in a penguin state? Is it that I am called to score high? Is it that I am called to be who God called? Is it that financially I am made to prosper? Am I supposed to be healthier than what I am? Am I supposed to start this business? Am I supposed to leave a relationship because this relationship is no longer serving me? Mm -hmm. Are we supposed to be at eagle status? Because if we know an eagle, it soars high and doesn't make excuses or explain itself. <laughs> That is very I never have seen an eagle question how high it could fly. Or and so get down with the penguins and be like, well, see what I do is. <laughs> <laughs> I just open up and. <laughs> it has nothing to do with, they both have the same tools, yep. but just one tool is able to take them to a different level. And You're so right. leveling up sometimes means that we have to understand the call on our lives. We have to understand what our purpose is. Right. There was a quote in the book that said this. It said, your new life is going to cost you your old one. I was like, that is good. Your new life is going to cost you your old one. That's like somebody free. Too often we try to use the add to policy, right? I don't want to give up my old life. I just want to enhance my old life to make it feel like a new life. Absolutely. But- we have got to be ready to cast off the things that no longer work, right? And as we're growing, there are certain mindsets, there are certain mentalities, there are certain functions and operations that do not serve where you are going. And it's not just relationships. Yeah. Too often, we want to be like, that relationship can't go with me because I'm outgrowing this. No, 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 no. There are some thought processes that can't go with you. You've got to outgrow them. There are certain responses and habits you have got to outgrow. There are certain paths of logic that you have got to outgrow. Listen, I know I'm talking right. Because, because, you know, there. I'll use this analogy, but like there were things, there have been things in my life and I know that there are things like that now, but like if I hear a certain sequence of words or in the past, if I heard a certain, listen, you don't even have to finish the sentence because I'm already, (laughs) I already know what I'm going to (laughs) do. I don't have to figure it out. I already know because that thing is programmed in me. It is an instinct of mine, right? But there are some instincts that we have got to outgrow. There are certain things that are just natural to us that we 
have got to outgrow. So it's not just about adding the newness of life. The Bible talks about it in terms of new wine and and new wineskins versus we don't put new wine in old wineskins. How in the world is the Lord going to bless you with a new life and you maintain the, the same mentality that kept you from getting there for 30 years? You know what I mean? Like the Lord is not trying to bless us with something so that we can lose it. He really desires to bless us. And and he, you know what I mean? If you think about how the Bible talks about us being good stewards, if you think about how the Bible uh, talks about Jesus when he walked the earth and he said, God, of everything that you've given me, I won't lose a thing. Like I would that you lose nothing, that we lose nothing. Sometimes we just want more to make us feel good, but we know that we are not built to retain it. So the Lord's like, I can give you a new family, but if your attitude is trash, you're headed straight to divorce court. It's just a matter of time. Absolutely. I can give you these babies, but your attitude is terrible and they will be on the therapist's couch. Absolutely. Like, why would I give you this stuff to damage it? If you don't care, I've given you a body. I've given you a destiny and you don't even care enough to tend to it. So why should I give you more? I know that we're in this all the time, but I like when you talked about instinct. And we have to be careful that we are continuing to hold on to the instincts that we adopted when we were in situations that were damaging. For sure. And so now we're in a safe place and we're like, I'm still holding on to this pattern of behavior. I'm still holding on to this way of thinking. I'm still holding, however I dealt with how what I dealt with when I was in danger, can't be the same way I deal with situations when the Lord has brought me to a safe place. And now I'm in a place of wholeness. And so Absolutely. I love what you said about changing the way that we're changing our patterns. Our way Absolutely. Of thinking, our behavior, right. We have to adapt to where it is that we are. Absolutely. Some and it's not about, them. it's not about minimizing the damage mm-hmm. that we have gone, you know what I mean? Or the pain and all those things. But it is about, you know what I mean? Like if you are a person and you you walk with the Lord, like it is about acknowledging the fact that we walk with the healer. You know what I mean? So I can't keep using my brokenness as an excuse when the Lord is a healer. Absolutely. I can't keep using my frailty as an excuse when the Bible says that he's my strength. Like at, one po- at what point is he the truth? Yes. And your experience submits to that. Right. See, because the Israelites didn't wonder because God was like, gee, (laughs) I feel like I want you to be wondering forever and ever. Right. There was some part of them that continued to complain no matter what provisions he made. And so we have to make sure that when provisions are made, when we are in different spaces, when we have acquired knowledge that lets us know that we are in a safe place, that we are in a better place, we have to adapt to know that now I'm in this place, I don't have to shout anymore. I don't have to scream anymore. I don't have to look at myself and and body shame myself. I don't have to tell myself that I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I'm this. We don't have to say these things anymore because we're not in the spaces anymore. And so that point that you made, Pastor C, is because if we want to sum self-sabotage up, that's what it is. Sometimes we don't recognize when we're in a safe space. Now that is the truth. And it's allowing the old conditioning to outlive its usefulness. Come on. And so we all have old conditioning. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody that's like, man, I, you know, 
my upbringing was just awesome. No problems here. You know, like we've all got things that we've got to overcome. But the question is, are we allowing our old conditioning or our damaged conditioning to outlast its usefulness? And so what we couldn't avoid because we were children or we were, you know, we were at a in the formative uh, time in our lives, like we couldn't avoid that because we were subject to it. But now we are not. And mm-hmm. so it goes, now we're choosing it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There was a time where we, we didn't have a choice, but now Absolutely. we have a choice and we're still holding on to it. Yes. Can I read this comment just sure, quickly? Please. I know we have to wrap up. But Sarah just, she wrote, but finding new techniques is hard when not sharing examples of what it looks like. I need examples. What does such and such look like? Because my old isn't working. And that is a true statement. And what I can say to you, Sarah, what worked for me is was intentionally getting around environments of where I want it to be. The only way that you're going to learn new behavior is if you get around the behavior that you're acquiring or you want to, that's something that you want to be. A lot of times in my world as an educational therapist, when I'm working with children and behavior, I'm always, I want to model the behavior that I want them to see, right? I want to talk to them like I want them to talk to others. And so for me, what I found helpful is just completely changing my environments and intentionally getting in environments that spoke to my destination of greatness. Absolutely. Spoke to my destination of healness, spoke to my destination of illness. Absolutely. I would also say I read books Mm. because there were some times when my environment didn't have the elevated thinking. I didn't know anybody that was exhibiting Mm -hmm. that. And so I can tell you, John Maxwell is an author that I consumed so much of his content. There's a book that he wrote called Thinking for a Change. You know what I mean? It's like a double entendre, but thinking for a change. And he starts talking about how to address negative self-talk and thinking that is just not serving you. You know, he's a great author. There are so, depending on what your challenges are, there are so many great books that are out there and you can digest the content at your pace and you can also wrestle with it. You know what I mean? I would read books and do devotions and pray and be like, God, help me make sense of this. Like help me to change in the ways that I need to change. Because like I said, I didn't always have models in my environment that I could look to. I wanted to bring up another question that came through. And this one was from Charlene. And she said, what do you do when you have a gift and others try to stifle it? Which I think is a really great question to ask, because I think it really depends. It depends on what, like, there's a couple of different reasons why you may be experiencing resistance in your gift. Sometimes people have a gift and they are trying to push forward in it. And maybe that gift is underdeveloped and it's not useful in its fullest capacity at that time. And so you may have people that are trying to hold you back so that you can sort it, right? Other times you have a gift that is developed and you're feeling pressure and prompting from the Lord to step out on that gift. If you're in a place where that gift is being stifled, then you've got to go back, right? Because if the Lord is pushing you to use it, and the only thing that's keeping you from obeying is your surroundings, then you've got to submit those surroundings to the Lord and ask for Mm -hmm. his counsel and his input on what to do as a result, right? Because he's not going to put you in a place that's not going to let you speak when speaking is your gift. 
right? And so it may be a situation where he's trying to build something in you. Maybe he's trying to refine you. Maybe he's trying to continue to grow and develop that gift, right? Or maybe it's you have outgrown the space that you're in and you need to utilize that gift elsewhere. I don't want to paint with broad strokes, but I will say that if the Lord is prompting you, then you have to go back to the gift giver and get instruction on what to do. Don't just take resistance at face value that the Lord is shutting you down because that's not always the case. Absolutely. Any other questions tonight? I Please feel free to put them in the chat. Uh, we've got like, we're about four minutes over, but I'm going to give us another five minutes and then we are going to get out of here. We got eight hours in our tank, but we're not going to do that tonight. <laughs> I've got one other quote that I wanted to give, and then I wanted Tiff to chime in. And uh, well, if, if anybody else has any uh, comments that they want to drop in the chat, this quote again is for the book, The Mountain Is You. And it says, most people don't change their lives until not changing becomes the less comfortable option. Mm-hmm. Isn't that so good? Oh, wow, It really makes wow. me think about like, like, where am I running to comfort? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. because it's... Comfort can be bad. <laughs> you better... Listen, how many of our marriages suffer because, listen, I'm just more comfortable being like this. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Like, we could Absolutely. we could have a better communication between us, but I'm just more comfortable being quiet. Absolutely. I'm just more comfortable giving you the silent treatment, so we're not going to do that today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... And we know it's not productive, but we're just comfortable with the fact that this is what's worked. Yeah. And when I had this, honestly, Pastor C, I had this moment where I was like, Lord, my desire is not to always be comfortable. Take that desire away from me. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's a desire. It's this thing where we just want to consistently snuggle up put the covers over our head and never have a challenge, right? Yes. And if we're honest with ourselves, like a lot of times we say, no, that's not it, but it is because we want to hide from this place that I just want what I want when I want it. And so for me, it was like, Lord, give me this desire to not be comfortable with being comfortable. <laughs> that's the truth. I think about how scripture says that he will give us the desires of our heart. Mm-hmm. And how when I was young and up and coming, I just thought that he would give me what I wanted. Mm-hmm. But now that I have grown and I have realized that, you know, sometimes my wiring is off. Sometimes my conditioning is off. Absolutely. Like he really does put the desire in my heart. Now I am asking God, I don't want to be comfortable. Take mm-hmm. the taste of it out of my mouth. Oh. Give me an appetite for the thing that's going to grow me. Give me an appetite for the thing that's going to cause me to be everything that you called me to be and that you want me to be. I remember there was a time also that I had to pray, God, help me love the process. Mm. Because anybody (laughs) knows me, I want to be done with it. So I'm like, the Lord gives me an idea. gives me a vision, an inspiring idea. I'm like, oh yeah. But because I love, I love to be finished more yes. than I love the process. Absolutely. I would create shortcuts and I would create these shoddy infrastructures of things trying to get to the done. And the Lord's like, honey, he was like, you realize you have a whole lifetime that we got to oh, fill. Like the vision that I'm giving you is for your whole life. Yes. This is not a sprint. 
Like, mm. I'm not trying to see if you can achieve everything that I called you to do in the next 90 days. Like, Absolutely. it's for your whole life. <laughs> like, I don't okay. desire for you to just be a, fa- a flash in the pan. And if we think about it, for so many of us, like the things that God has put on the inside of us, like they're not just for us. He talked, our God talks about blessing from generation to generation, that we would leave an inheritance for our children's children, you know? So if you think about that, if you think about God's objective being generational, how Mm -hmm. would you then handle what's on the inside of you? I think we would Hmm. build a little bit differently. Absolutely. I think we would get the stuff that's in our garden that's choking out the good seed. I think we would probably take a little bit more time to clear it out so that it's not fighting against us the entire time. (laughs) And our internal dialogue. I'll give this one tip that I knew has, I still struggle with it, but I am working on it. It's every time that negative thought seeps into my mind, I intentionally substitute it with a good thought, yep. a, a thought of my greatness. So then I have those moments where I, I can't do this or this is too hard. I immediately try to switch. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a practice, like what you're talking about, the process, because again, it's comfortable for us to just continue the real. I can't do this. I don't, I'm tired. Because it's on autoplay. It requires a different, we have to calibrate our mind a different way then we start to switch those thoughts and say, I'm switching from negative to positive. It has to be intentional. Mm-hmm. Or when I just want to lay in bed and do absolutely nothing. Come on, Tiff, get up. What is it that you need? Like, it's just these things that we, we have to be our own cheerleaders past the seat. Sometimes we just have to be, grab the pom-poms <laughs> and it's start true. cheering ourselves on because we sometimes are always waiting for somebody else to say, good job. I see what you're doing. But sometimes we just have to be it for ourselves. You are absolutely right. We, in the episode with Dr. Apopa, she talked about writing down positive affirmations. And we talked about documenting those things during times of peace, when we're feeling good about ourselves, writing down positive affirmations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the author of this book that I've been reading, The Mountain Is You, she was careful to say that those positive affirmations are really only effective once we've dealt with the toxicity that's in our soul. Because sometimes we will use those positive affirmations like a hypnotic. I am great. I am <laughs> But we haven't dealt with the ilk that's in our soul. So we've got to clear that thing out. But once that thing is clear, then it's about yeah. reprogramming. It's about telling yourself, I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. That everything I put my hands to do, it's going to prosper. I have the mind of Christ. I have the victory. I have life and liberty. I am healed. Like all of these things, like the Lord has already given us a script. We don't even have to be that creative. All we got to do is refer to what he has said about us right? But we've got to get that stuff out. And I say it, I say that, but I don't want to imply that it's only your work to do. Oftentimes it is us giving the Lord time to deal with what he wants to deal with. We can be so busy and we can consume ourselves so much with things to do that we do not allow 
the time and space for the Lord to do his work. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. Holy Ghost is the one that changes us and transforms us and heals yeah. us. Now, along the way, he will give us instruction of things that we need to obey. But the lion's share of our healing does not rest on our shoulders. Absolutely. And so if you find yourself in a place where you're like, man, I cannot get myself out of this rut. I want to mm -hmm. ask you and challenge you, like, how much time are you giving to the Lord to allow him to speak to your situation? Yes. Yeah. Are you putting words in his mouth instead mm -hmm. of allowing him to say what he's trying to say? Because one mm -hmm. thing I know about the Lord is he knows how to get you unstuck. <laughs> Absolutely. He knows, and it don't take, it. please, it doesn't take 40 years like the children of Israel. You don't need a whole lifetime for you to be on your deathbed and now all of a sudden you're like, boop, unstuck. No, he can do it. <laughs> he can Absolutely. do it so much faster than we could ever imagine. But sometimes the reason why it takes us so long is not because it takes him so long, because it takes us so long to get into agreement with what he's trying to do. Get into agreement with what he's trying to do. Think about the children of Israel. He had already teed them up. He's like, I done already got y'all free. I done already walked you through the wilderness. You are at the threshold of your promised land. Mm -hmm, but you mm -hmm. would not let it go. You would not let the old way go. You would not let the yeah. complaining go. You would not let the murmuring go. You would not mm -hmm. let the unbelief go. And yeah. so he's like, you're not ready for this new thing. So you got to go uh -huh. around and around and around. Mm -hmm. How many opportunities, like how many times are we going to keep going around our promised land because we refuse to be ready? I'm on. Not because God doesn't make himself available to ready us, but we won't get on board. Hence why we call it self-sabotage. It wasn't everybody else who's sabotaging me. <laughs> Come on. Come on. And it's the self part where we sometimes are resistant because we're like, no, it's everyone else because that's the easy way out. But true freedom and breakthrough happens, like you said, Pastor Ben, we're finally able to look in that mirror and say, you know what? It's my behavior patterns. It's what I'm saying. It's who I'm with. Whatever the case may be, relationships, you know, we talked about that and we won't go into that tonight, but we talked about sometimes we look and we're like, God, like you're so toxic. Like I'm always attracting toxic people. And now I don't understand why, but it's like, that statement within itself is now a time to reflect. Because if you're five relationships in and all of them are toxic. There is one common denominator. The question we have to ask ourselves is what is it about us that continues to attract these situations? What is it about us that continues to attract these type of people? What is it about? What is it? What am I saying to myself? What do I believe about myself that is continuing to allow me to be in situations that are unhealthy? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not to, we're going to transition out, but I do want to say this. It's not to blame. It's not to cast blame, right? I'm reminded of the story in the Bible where the man was at the pool of Bethesda and he had been there for over 30 years. And when Jesus came up to him, he didn't just take him by the hand and be like, get up, boy, you're healed. Mm -hmm. No, he was like, mm -hmm. what do you want me to do for you? And then later in the story, he healed him. But the question mm -hmm. is, what do you want God to do for you? Yes. 
Because sometimes we just want him to heal us and we don't want to take responsibility or partner with him. But he's like, I've always, I've never changed my tune. The word of God yeah. says we are co-laborers with him. Mm-hmm. I'm not coming in here doing, I'm not coming in here taking your life over without your consent. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. do you want to be healed? And if you do, then there is a part that you play and there is a part that I play. But we will never play each other's parts. Yes, yes. Yes. So I hope this was helpful for you guys. My hope and my prayer for you is that something that was said tonight sparked something on the inside of you that you were inspired, that you were challenged, that you feel like, you know what? I am done with this old stuff that is no longer serving me. I am ready for my mindset to serve my growth. I'm ready for my appetites to serve my growth. I'm ready for my habits to serve my growth. Take the opportunity to listen to this podcast again. My recommendation is always that you get a journal, write this stuff down so that you can deal, you know, so you can deal with it. Just work it through on the inside. And I believe that the Lord is going to do what he does while you do what you do. And uh, we're going to be better for it. So thank you guys again for joining. Tiff, thank you. It's always great. Thank you for having me, Pastor. Always, always great. Thank you guys for your, thank you for all of your encouragement in the chat. And we will see you all next week. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to the Growth and Greatness podcast. If you haven't yet, subscribe to make sure you never miss a new episode. And follow me on social media at Candice Lamb. That's C A N. D-I-C-E-L-A-M-B-E. To catch the replay of this live show, check out my channel, Rain Life Entertainment, on YouTube. That's R-E-I-G-N, Life Entertainment, on YouTube.